This is HPR episode 2773 entitled Lead Slash Acid Battery Maintenance and Calcium Charge Voltage. It is hosted by First Time Host Floyd C. Pointer and is about 31 minutes long and carries a clean flag. The summary is Discussion on installing new calcium battery into older vehicle and resulting maintenance issues. This episode of HPR is brought to you by archive.org. Support universal access to all knowledge by heading over to archive.org forward slash donate. G'day, this is Floyd C. Pointer. I'm going to share a few notes on the family car, a little four-cylinder runabout. Being a C. Pointer isn't as lucrative as it used to be. So, it's not a brand new car anymore, but it's lasting okay with a little bit of maintenance. So, maintenance on an old car is kind of important. And I could see this as a metaphor for other types of technology. To new cars have plenty of features, half of them you're never going to use anyway. And I want to keep the old one going because it gets me around, that's good enough. I'm not expecting miracles. I get it that things do break down and need a bit of repair. But when I buy a new battery, I want that to last roughly the same as the old battery. In theory, we would expect there's a gradual design improvement that goes into these little pieces of equipment and we would expect each one should last a little bit longer than the last one. I thought about the first car battery that came with the car and lasted surprisingly well. More than five years I think and I seem to remember that was a gel battery and this was admittedly quite some time ago. I could be wrong. On reflection, though, the more recent battery purchases have not given adequate service. And this last one died in a bit less than two years. I did some searching on battery technology on the internet, hoping to understand, well, why I was getting ripped off, to put it frankly. This is what I came up with, although there are conflicting opinions out there. As a C-pointer, of course... I spend most of my time in the software industry, but I don't like being sold a dud and getting told, well, sorry, buddy, there's nothing you can do about it. I figure if I have to make a fair effort delivering quality technology, those other guys can also make a bit of an effort. This information comes with absolutely no warranty, but it might give you a start and you can do your own research from here. The very old car batteries were mostly the open wet cells. They had removable caps and you could look down the hole and you could see how much acid was in there. You'll hardly see those anymore. They needed maintenance in as much as you needed to check the level and top it up with a bit of water. 
distilled water. Then came gel cells, which were no-maintenance cells. What that means is, instead of water, they had a gel in them, and you couldn't top them up, and they had rubber caps, and they were sort of sealed. And by no-maintenance, it means you can't do maintenance. Eventually, you have to throw them away. And if you use up the water in there by overcharging, you'll be throwing them away a lot sooner. The manufacturers don't usually offer long warranties, and there's a lot of fine print, which makes it a little bit difficult to claim. And I must admit, I've never tried claiming one. But what I'd actually like is something that I can be confident will work, and then we wouldn't be arguing over warranties The manufacturers use advertising speak to describe what you're buying. And it's kind of useless because it doesn't say anything. For example, the newest one I've purchased, the one that's still going, that I'm hoping will last a bit longer, was a slightly larger and more expensive Bosch battery. And it says, Mega Power Plus. Which tells me nothing, but, you know, sounds like it belongs in a Transformers movie. Presuming you don't have any violent destruction or a total meltdown, there's three things that I know about that'll destroy your lead battery over time. The first is you can run out of water in the battery. Usually that's caused by overcharging. Every time it overcharges, you lose a little bit of water. If you have a wet battery, you can top them up with a little bit of distilled water, so overcharging is not a big problem for you. If you have a gel battery, sorry buddy, if you have a sealed battery, same problem, can't do it. The second thing that can go wrong is the plates corrode, and gradually the corrosion causes internal failure, it basically just falls to bits inside. Uh, Looks the same on the outside, but bits of lead and stuff fall, fall down. The other thing, the third thing that can happen, is you get a sulfate coating, So the sulfate deactivates that patch of the surface where the sulfate has settled, and now you've got that much less operational battery. And when you get enough sulfate covering the surface, it basically doesn't work anymore. And even though the battery might be physically intact, so you've got water, plates, etc., but with that sulfate coating, the battery still won't work. So you've got an almost new battery that you're now finding useless because it's covered in sulphate. So they're the three things, running out of water, too much corrosion, and sulphate coating. All lead-acid batteries are primarily lead, of course, but it's not pure lead. There's alloy elements that have been added. And I give you a quick list, although not every battery has every one of these. Antimony, tin, arsenic, calcium, aluminium, copper, silver. So different brands of battery will use different ones of those in various mix, often two or three of them. And to make that more complicated, there's a positive grid and a negative grid, and they might use different alloys for the two grids, or might use the same. So the new batteries, which I haven't mentioned up till now, but what they generally sell today, will have calcium as an alloy. And they often write calcium somewhere on the battery. And that supposedly improves performance. 
The suppliers don't like using antimony and arsenic anymore, but the old batteries used to have those. Calcium, according to my reading, I haven't tested it myself, but calcium supposedly reduces the internal discharge while the car's not in use, like while the battery's sitting on the shelf, and it also reduces water loss, thus hopefully making the battery last longer, especially in sealed batteries where there's no way to put new water in, so you want to reduce the loss as much as possible. Calcium makes the battery work worse at high temperatures with increased internal corrosion, but it works better at low temperatures, so cold mornings, not such a problem with a calcium battery. Australia tends to mostly be high temperatures and pretty much never gets below freezing, so the low temperature doesn't matter so much. But I think they sell the same batteries in just about every country these days, so they want something that works everywhere. So this type of battery is called calcium-calcium, to distinguish from others such as silver calcium, which I'll get to a bit later. So if you're using the car every day, and it's getting pretty sort of rapid cycles and a fair bit of charging time, then non-calcium is better, provided you don't live in a cold place. If you occasionally use the car and then go for a short drive, calcium can be better because it holds the charge better. But, as I discovered, modern cars have a lot of electronics in them and not all of that switches off properly when you park. For example, electronic locks and RFID type stuff. So a modern car will discharge when it's parked and it doesn't matter what battery you've got in there because it's discharging anyway, regardless of the internal discharge in the battery. So silver calcium is another improvement. And the silver costs more, slightly reduces the corrosion, but loses a little bit more water. Now here's the important warning. You go to Wikipedia and you can find a page on silver calcium batteries and I'll read you this little warning that they stick in there because it caught me by surprise a bit. Silver calcium batteries generally require more charging voltage, 14.4 to 14.8 volts, and deteriorate rapidly in vehicles which do not provide the required voltage range. Alternators which never reach the required voltage range will cause rapid sulfation due to battery never being charged fully. As a general rule, silver calcium batteries should not be installed to vehicles or systems which are not specifically designed for silver calcium battery chemistry. So just to recap there, the calcium batteries are subject to sulfate coating if they spend too much time discharged, and calcium also changes the charging voltage. So what I've had is an older car, which I don't believe was ever designed for calcium batteries. The alternator is probably set up to run for a gel cell charge, and it doesn't spend a lot of time driving. I'll often leave it for a week and do random short, long drive depending on what I need. 
I'm not reliably driving it on a regular basis. So unfortunately, it's difficult to find detailed information on the battery that you've got by searching the internet. But if you try, there is information out there. So when I searched the Bosch, I found that Bosch sells AGM, which is absorbent glass mat. And that's kind of halfway between a wet cell and a gel cell. It's got water in there, not gel, but the water's trapped in a glass mat to stop it sloshing around. Then they sell calcium calcium and calcium silver, which are their two slightly better batteries, or supposedly better anyway. So the battery has um, CCA, cold cranking amps, and RC, reserve capacity. Cold cranking amps is basically you wake up on a cold morning, you hit the car, it's got a cold engine, everything has to turn over, and that tells you how many amps maximum it's going to put out. The reserve capacity tells you how many minutes it can drive a 25-amp load. I don't know why they measure it that way, but there you go. Sometimes they have an amp-hour rating, which is more for driving smaller loads. There's a little green ball test, in most of the new ones anyway, which is testing specific gravity. And if you stare down the little black hole, you can see the green ball. And it's supposed to be telling you if it's discharged, so the green ball goes away. It turns black if the thing's discharged. The problem is, it's a bit useless. It doesn't tell you anything about the condition of the plates. It doesn't tell you if all the cells have good water. It's a really rough test, but I guess it's easy, so it's there. Anyway, after searching through the Bosch um, leaflet and, and part lists, I found I have calcium calcium in my latest battery. And like I said, it's a little bit bigger, because I thought, well, I need every advantage I can get here. And hopefully it's going to last better than the last one, which was two years. The previous one, by the way, was not Bosch. It was a bit of a no-name battery. Very likely the last battery died from sulfate surface coating, just like it says in the Wikipedia article. If you put a calcium battery into an older model car that was not originally designed for calcium. The green ball test was not helpful because it doesn't give you any indication of sulfate problems. So like I said earlier, every generation of car, they put more electronics in it and more things that you can't switch off. And so they drain the battery faster when they're parked. Now you can disconnect the battery by unhooking the terminal and like putting a little bit of plastic over it or something. And then those electronic devices, like the stereo or whatever, they don't like that because they're not used to being disconnected. And you get security modes and stupid stuff like that. And also, it's massively tedious. So if you get called out for a, you know, got to go somewhere in a hurry, you don't want to be going, oh, I need a spanner and muck it around with terminals and bolt the thing back on. And then you don't want to have to remember to unbolt it when you get home again. And over time, if you're bolting and unbolting, it's going to give where the terminal's going to be all scratched and the bolt won't be real good anymore after a while. So the thing is, you want to park the car, leave it there, and then 
put a trickle charger or something to keep it topped up while you're not using it. But I don't have a garage, so I can't I can't keep it trickling night and day. I've got a driveway, so I can park it there and charge it now and then, which I was doing with the other one now and then. But you know, uh, the charger I used uh, was a standard Kmart twenty-five dollar charger, and probably not the best. Supposed to have a two amp output, not specifically designed for a calcium battery. And when I measured the voltage using that with the new Bosch battery, and I thought I'll just try this old charger and see what voltage it gives, because I'd read that Wikipedia article and I was saying, all right, well, here's some voltages, what am I going to have? It was giving me 13.2 or maybe 13.3 volts, even after a long, a long sit charging or trickle charging. But two amps is, you know, kind of reasonable charge. So you'd expect it to be getting somewhere, but the charge light never comes on. And the voltage never gets up to the level that it says in Wikipedia that it's meant to get up to. So I figured, well, this is not such a good charger. I'll get something better and this little thing it's not a smart charger it's not a new model Um, you can't select battery type you can't select anything basically so I cannot recommend this as a good charger after trying it it sort of works but it's cheap never worked properly and never really got the battery properly fully charged either and the last battery didn't last very long. So I found an Charge battery charger. So that one cost six times as much. Uh, it cost me 150 bucks for a six amp battery charger. And it's got its own microprocessor. It's got a smart charging cycle. It claims that it tests the battery before it begins and it tests it again when it's finished at the end and then it goes into float mode and then if you leave it long enough it'll periodically retest the battery and give it another little burst and then go back into float mode again so if you leave it for a long long time like weeks and weeks then it goes through these sort of extra maintenance cycles all by itself so there you go nine stage 12 volt six amps and that's called OzCharge I had a little poke online because it's an Australian company. It's called the Zillux Group. And I hope they do some R&D locally. I'm not sure. The website shows them at a trade booth in Las Vegas. So, you know, I'm happy to see Australian companies that make something and go somewhere. Uh, I think a lot of what they do is importing and rebranding. I don't work there. I'm not plugging their product specifically. I just bought their charger and gave it a go. So... I don't know a whole lot about the company. The charger comes uh, with your standard crocodile clips, and these hook up via a little quick connect intermediate connector. And I've seen quite a few other chargers with that, actually. The older chargers don't have it, but the new chargers seem to have it pretty common, actually. And it also comes with a stub lead and some ring terminals and the same quick connect clip. So if you're always recharging the same car, 
you can hook that up and you've got your quick connect permanently connected you just cable tie it off in the corner somewhere under the bonnet and then when you want to charge you've got a place you just whack it straight in and plug it in and off it goes and that's pretty easy because if you're tired and you're not paying attention or something you can't really get it wrong it's got a nice little rubbery cap that goes over to keep water and dirt out of the connector um with some cars you might even be able to sneak that connector around out under the bumper somewhere so you don't have to open the bonnet but i couldn't quite get it to reach on the front of the charger you've got a bunch of selector buttons on a kind of a plastic membrane thing and you can select the battery type so it knows about gel and it's got the voltages listed as well so it says gel will give you 14.1 volts AGM or wet cells will give you 14.4 volts. Those are not quite as sensitive to overcharge. The gel is very sensitive to overcharge, so they're a bit conservative, good, a little bit lower voltage. Then the calcium needs a higher voltage. You can select that, and it'll give you 14.7 volts. And the calcium's not quite as sensitive to overcharge. You still don't want to whack it too hard, obviously. That's what you've got your microprocessor for because it does testing as it goes so it makes sure it doesn't do too much. So the older car designed for gel or AGM cells with the older alternator might not be broken but it's not in brand new condition. It'll never properly charge your calcium battery and if you're using it only occasionally that's even worse because the battery basically never gets fully charged and gradually destroys itself with uh, sulfate. So I got this smart charger. And um, when you read the book, it goes through this entire process of rejuvenating, charging, extra charging, topping up, whatever else. It's got a fault light. If the connection's bad or if some stage doesn't work or it doesn't get the response back from the um, battery that it's expecting, it lights a fault light. This will give you a little bit of advance warning. So, for example, if you put the thing through a regular cycle once every couple of weeks and then it says, well, this usually works, but this week you're getting a fault light, then probably there's something wrong. And if you're getting that on a regular basis, almost certainly it's time for a new battery because the thing's just done what it can and it's never going to make it work. They also claim it has the ability to remove sulfate from the surface of the battery cells. And this is a special patented method of sulfate removal. And when I looked around, apparently quite a lot of chargers have this patented method and when you look at what they're doing they just give it an extra bit of voltage for a short while then they let it cool down and have a little peek at what it did and then they give it another couple of bursts of voltage and then let it relax again so that's all their patented method but apparently every guy's patenting the same method or maybe there's some tiny variation but that's all basically what they do I don't know if it works, but I'm willing to give it a try. What the heck, I couldn't be any worse off than I was last time around. So you've got a current selection, 1 amp, 4 amp and 6 amp on this particular device. Uh, there's other models from the same brand that goes up to 12 amp, 
probably if you've got a truck or something, that might be fine. But 4 amp is plenty for my purposes. So I got this thing charged and I went through the full cycle. I got a green light at the end. It was happy. I didn't get the fault light. And I'd hope so because it's a brand new battery now. But at least I've been through the cycle once. And I was surprised, actually. For a brand new battery, I had driven it twice, I think. And not far distance. I'd only been started a handful of times. And it still gave it a fair bit of charge. So it spent there a fair while pumping charge into it before it was happy with it. So the battery, as it was, nominally brand new, still was not 100% charged. So there you go. Uh, What I found with the voltage when I measured it, just sitting in the car, parked, you get 13.0 volts sitting on the battery. And then... When you run the engine, warm it up, let it sit on idle for a while, you get a float voltage of 13.7 volts. So if you're driving around at 13.7 volts, the battery will basically top up a little tiny bit of charge and just make sure it doesn't discharge too much. That's fine as a float voltage, and it's guaranteed to be safe from overcharging. But if your calcium battery is down a little bit, that's not sufficient to charge it up properly. So, yes, it's okay for driving around and stuff like that, but at some point you will have to do a proper charge with the external charger. All right, so let's look at some other smart chargers because this has become a pretty popular idea. There's a whole bunch of people doing it. And um, I thought, well, I've got this one, But if I'm going to start talking about it, I might as well mention a few of the others. I found one from Century. You've probably heard of Century batteries. It was a smart charge of 160. It looks very, very similar to the OzCharge. It's got the same specifications. The case is a little bit different shaped. but The front panel layout looks the same, exactly the same. Even the little buttons are in the same place. So I suspect the guts of that. It's probably got the same circuit board in it as the OzCharge. I found SCA battery charge, 155 bucks, is a 7-stage 12-volt 6-amp. Slightly different box and different front panel. There's a few cheaper models from these guys. They say, yes, it can do calcium batteries, but as far as I could see, it didn't have any specific settings for calcium. I could be wrong because I didn't actually buy it. I just scan through the stuff that's online the cheaper model is only a three-stage four amp charger and that comes in just under a hundred bucks and got very good reviews a lot of people seem to like it Uh, it doesn't have very many features but i guess probably people don't want too many features just plug it in use it don't think about it the only question is can it automatically detect the battery type And I'm not sure, maybe they just sort of set the voltage somewhere kind of roughly in the middle and say, oh, well, this is a bit good for everything. Or maybe they've got some clever tricks in there. It's hard to tell. Believe it or not, there's a brand of charger called Voltage, which is sort of trademarking a generic term, if you ask me. I think that sort of thing backfires on you because you're never going to get brand recognition. Uh, They make an 8-stage 12-volt 16-amp charger, which is a bit of a monster for 
230 bucks. It's got a lovely lit-up front panel with all little bar graphs and stuff on it. This Voltage brand sells a whole bunch of cheaper, reasonably priced chargers. They've got even some old moving needle kind of front panel chargers, but they're not the smart ones, and I suspect they don't have any settings for calcium batteries. I found a projector a brand that's six stage 12 volt 4 amp smart charger that's 130 bucks. I found a C-Tech brand 8 stage 12 volt 5 amps. Quite a lot of these have the same quick connect connectors in the middle of the charging leads, but unfortunately they're not all exactly the same style, so you kind of have to look around to see make sure if you're going to get those quick connect ones that they are going to match up uh, or else you have to get rid of whatever other leads you've got and replace it with those. Uh, There's a battery link brand, quite similar. They're pretty cheap, microprocessor controlled. They didn't seem to say much, seemed a bit generic. There's a Max Lee brand, nine stage they claim, which will automatically detect 12 or 24 volts, 10 amp smart charger. Doesn't mention calcium batteries, but it was pretty cheap at 80 bucks. Maybe that's a bit oldish, and that's why they're selling them out. I don't know. Uh, last one. This is a classic. There's one called Arc Pack. Seven stage, 12 volt, seven amp charger. Has a fully backlit LCD front panel, a menu system, a graphical display of the battery, a display of the current voltage. You can either plug it into AC mains power or it'll take DC input from some other device. It will estimate the time to tell you how much charge. And I had to search around a bit to get a price, but I saw one for 500 bucks. You'd probably want to have um, a lot of good reason to buy that. But anyway, look nice if you want to spend money and have a good-looking charger. Here's my conclusion. Uh, Just like the GPL, as I mentioned earlier, this is provided with absolutely no warranty. Do your own research. As far as I can tell, most people don't know or care about the difference between different types of lead-acid battery. Even if you go to the mechanic or if you look for a guy that's selling you a battery, they don't seem to pay any attention. Um, The information varies Some people claim the voltage doesn't matter, one voltage fits all. Other people claim it's very important. Uh, On the document for the OzCharge, it very clearly said don't select a calcium battery if you've got a gel cell because you'll probably overcharge it and that's bad for it. And don't select gel cell if you've got a calcium because the voltage will be insufficient and it won't charge. So some people believe the voltage is very important and uh, I'm coming to that conclusion myself. Uh, If you have an older car and you don't drive it every day and you do kind of occasional short trips or you leave it sitting in the driveway a fair while, probably you need a charger and you need a smart charger to sort that out. Otherwise, you end up with a short lifespan battery and you'll be throwing it out again. So these smart chargers... They're pretty good. They've got a microcontroller. They've got a whole bunch of smart kind of algorithms built in. People have done a lot of work on them. They test as they go. They discharge, recharge, discharge, and then sort of test in bits as they go charging up. And 
if you've got a calcium battery, I would recommend you find a charger which has specific calcium settings on it and make sure you use those settings. And if you've got a gel battery, make sure you don't use the calcium settings. Having those O-ring stub cables permanently connected to your battery with a quick connector is really handy. So if you're doing that regularly, you probably want to set up that little thing or get your local mechanic to set it up and have it all ready to go. That's it. Thanks. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.